Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 243, How to Manage Your Ick List. I'm very excited for this episode, but before we get started, I do want to apologize for completely missing last week's episode and giving no warning for it. I have been recording this podcast consistently every week for four and a half years. And this was the first week. I have to be just honest and transparent with you guys because you know I'm an open book. I just completely fucking forgot. (laughs) I have had so much going on, wedding planning, you know, just now four years into my relationship with Larry, really three years into my relationship with his kids and the school year taking off. I'm pretty much living at Larry's house with the kids. For those of you who don't know, he's my fiance. We have four kids together. I mean, they're his kids and he has a wonderful ex-wife. They have a wonderful mom. But I am just very, very involved in their lives now more than ever, which is amazing, but it's also crazy. And for a long time, I've been living in my own place here in Santa Barbara, where I moved to from L.A., to start a life with them. But we have been really consciously taking things slowly and had leading up to our recent engagement in June. And now, for the most part, I pretty much am at the house all the time. And so that means getting up early and helping with homework at night and just being more enmeshed in their lives and lots of curveballs and challenges because there's four of them. So there's always something going on. And we're wedding planning and I had an amazing month in my business. Things are just so busy with coaching, which is fantastic. And I had my childhood best friend visiting last weekend, and I was squeezing everything in as much as I could before she arrived. And the podcast just went completely over my head. Some of you might be like, yeah, thanks. I really don't care for all those (laughs) details or excuses, Claire. But I... Do you think that there was a lesson in this if you haven't heard me say it? Because maybe you already know because you follow me on Instagram or you're subscribed to my email list. But, you know, I really couldn't believe it. And my thought was, how could you forget? Oh, my God, the podcast. And then I just caught myself pretty quickly and said, "Okay, Claire, you're human. There is a lot going on. Just let it go. Let it go. And I know that's easier said than done with a lot of things. Some things have to happen. And in my brain, because I've been doing this for four and a half years, I think the podcast has to happen. I want it to happen. I love serving you all in this capacity. And yet I get to let myself off the hook. I get a free pass. And I think subconsciously I needed to take something off my plate because things have just been pretty crazy in the last few weeks. And so anyway, no time like the present, but maybe there's something right now that you're beating yourself up about and you can pause and recognize that you're human and it's okay to not have everything done and hand it in on time. 
And I think that there's a fine line there, right? It's like if you find yourself constantly letting yourself off the hook because you just don't feel like it or uh, you're just too tired, but all this time goes by and you're then allowing your to-do list to just go pile, you know, pile high. Is that it? (laughs) That doesn't sound right. But I think, again, there's a balance. If, you know, to use myself as an example, you're consistently showing up all the time, but you miss this one thing or a couple of things here and there. Can you allow yourself the space and grace to be human and compassionate with yourself, even if this means that a lot of people could have been disappointed, confused, etc.? But my guess is to my loyal listeners, because a few of you did slide into my DMs and say, good for you. You needed a break. So I really, really appreciate that. One last order of business before we dive into how to manage your ick list. My course is back. Stop wanting him back and find someone better. Lifetime access, 75 videos. It now includes a bonus step-by-step dating guide that I added to the course last fall. Here I am recording this in November. Last October, we shot about 15 new videos. I like to keep the course fresh and make sure that it is as jam-packed as possible so that you really feel you can work this course on your own. But currently, I am offering a bonus one-on-one coaching session with me when you purchase the course. Payment plans are available My group program, separate from my course, my group program, you do have access to that course, but you also have access to four 90-minute live group coaching calls every single week. There's a payment plan available for that. And I have a couple of one-on-one spots available to work with me for six months. So if you really have been thinking about working more intimately with me and diving in and having text support with me, I highly recommend that you jump on it because there are only a couple of spots left for one-on-one. That doesn't mean... So let's say you hear this episode in March of 2024. That could have changed. But as it stands right now here in November of 2023, I really only have, I would say, two to three spots available depending on your time availability because um, my schedule right now is pretty tight. So it would really just depend on us having matching times available. That's a factor too. Okay. Without further ado, oh, last thing, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and you can find all those offers on the work with me tab. All right. So how to manage your ick list? Well, first of all, what are icks? (laughs) I love the word. I think it's so perfect. And I want to be very clear before I dive into this topic. I think that there's different versions of what the icks mean. And I'm talking about icks in the context of someone you're dating who you think is really great, but there's this one thing or couple of things that turn you off so badly that you're willing to write the whole person off. So this is, again, in the context of someone being pretty freaking great. And then there's like a couple of things. It's not oh my God, I showed up and I thought he was like such a loser and he was so unattractive and he smelled bad. (laughs) I think we've all been there and maybe not all three at once, but have experienced a couple of those things when we've gone on dates. I also just want to say I lean on heteronormative pronouns because of myself being a straight woman navigating heartbreak and and finding love with men. But please apply whatever gender pronouns 
work for you in your heartbreak and your, in your healing heartbreak and finding love journey. So again, I'm talking in the context of being turned off by someone because of a couple of things or one thing that makes you want to write the whole person off. Here is a list of common icks that I for sure can relate to. I think I think I can honestly relate <laughs> to all of them. They have a messy home, the way he dresses, bad breath, bad kisser, bad lovemaker, bad smell, the sound of his voice doesn't work for you, bad table manners, rude to the waiter, just a gross eater, they chew loudly, they smoke or they drink too much, or maybe you're turned off by the fact that they don't drink. They aren't as accomplished as you or they split the bill. Okay, so what do you do with these icks? And again, these are just a handful. Icks for you might be different than the icks on this list. So maybe take a moment and get clear on what all the icks are that are a total turnoff to you. And what I always say to my clients is you get to choose and own your icks. You can own them and walk away, or you can work through them if the person is really wonderful. And maybe it just depends on the ick. For example, I dated a guy who really had his shit together, attractive guy. There was something in his mannerisms that I couldn't really put my finger on in terms of what what felt like, hmm, there's something like that I'm not attracted to here, but he was lovely. He was showing up. He, in my brain, was a conventionally attractive guy. Like there was something that I wasn't attracted to, but like I knew he was a conventionally attractive person. And not that I was like, I need a conventionally attractive person, but there was nothing that I could, again, put my finger on in terms of my lack of attraction or something not being fully there for me. And, you know, that confusion about what was turning me off about him was confirmed when he kissed me. It was a terrible kiss. And I thought, well, maybe it was just awkward because it's the first kiss and the first kiss can be awkward. That's happened with other partners. And then we, you know, get familiar with each other and the kissing gets better. And so I went out with him a few times and every time we kissed, he would not put his tongue in my mouth. I think I've shared this story on another podcast episode before. And he was being so lovely and so great and so sweet with me and very attentive and made it very clear that he wanted to see me again. And I thought he had a really cool job. And I was at that point very accustomed to dating people who were struggling in their careers, just like I was. And we were just having this like, intimate moment, not even like sexually intimate, but just intimate in terms of like he was holding me and we were on his couch and he was kissing me. And I just said, you know, it's so interesting the way you kiss. And I said it kind of gently and I can't remember exactly, but I put it out there of, you know, I feel like, do you not, or is like tongue something that you don't want to use? And I was just saying it gently like this. It wasn't, why do you kiss weird? And why don't you use your tongue? It was not aggressive, but it didn't seem to really <laughs> click with him. 
And long story short, he ended up not wanting to continue to see me. I think something got weird with the intimacy and... Yeah. And I remember being pretty upset and then quickly being able to reflect back and say there was something off there from the beginning. But because he was so nice and attentive and reliable and had his shit together. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. I hate to sound superficial, but I think it's important that we are attracted. And I was like, okay, but like he is a conventionally attractive guy. So there's something else. There's something else. Try to figure it out. So it didn't work out. But who cares? What I am all about with my clients is have those hard, vulnerable conversations with people who have a lot of potential, whether it works out with them or it doesn't, because it's not about making it work with this person. It's about your personal growth and having mature, emotional, vulnerable conversations with people and getting into the practice of that so that it prepares you for having those kinds of conversations with the right person. Now, look, if the guy has bad breath, which I've also experienced, different guy. (laughs) When I say I've seen it all, heard it all, done it all, experienced it all, I really have, you guys. The bad breath one is definitely more difficult. I don't know how to you say to someone new, like, dude, please brush your teeth. And when it's like, it's not like, oh, he ate garlic or onions. It's like, no, he has full blown halitosis and he's so hot and sexy. And there was this chemistry between us. And I just was you know, very drawn to him. And I really tried to get past the bad breath. I actually think I could have worked through that, but then there were other red flags. Like then, I hate to get really TMI here, but when we were intimate, I felt like he had just watched a porn video and was like replaying that. He was looking at me with these like predator eyes and I didn't appreciate that, especially in the beginning stages of being intimate with someone. I didn't. I just sort of felt like I was literally a piece of meat. And look, I'm all for having different kinds of energy when you're in a sexual relationship with someone. But again, I personally, and I'm not saying that this is right for everyone, I want to feel cared for more because it's such a vulnerable thing to be physically intimate with someone, especially in the beginning stages. So I want to feel seen and adored, not like a piece of meat that you have been like on the hunt for. So that was a deal breaker for me. And then ultimately, I did my lady detective sleuth work and saw that it was very clear he was still very much in touch with his ex who he said he was done with like six months ago, but they had just been at a wedding together like two months ago. And I was like, oh, and now he's lying and he's got bad breath and he fucks me like a piece of meat. Excuse my French. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure we are done here. But like I just said, if the only thing was bad breath, which is pretty fucking disgusting. Don't get me wrong, but everything else was great. I think I would have had the nerve to have said something. I really do. 
And that's not easy. And I would definitely consult in a with a professional or a trusted friend. How do I articulate this? Because he just needs to know. He might not know. And if everything else is great, why not say, like, I think there's something going on and this is so embarrassing to say. And I hope you don't think I'm insulting you, but like, it might not be something that you're aware of. And I think you're really great and you should know. I mean, if someone said that to me, I would be fucking mortified. But I would really appreciate it. Actually, my best friend Heather and I, we made a deal with each other if we ever smelled bad breath on the other person. Not that we make out, but we spent a lot of time together. And we promised each other that we would tell the other person if they had bad breath because we were paranoid about that. So that would be my take on it. Are you going to is it is it worth it? I think that this is the question you need to ask yourself. Is it worth it to say something or is it not worth it to say something? And the way that you can figure that out is, is there enough good there to say something or not? When I evaluated bad breath guy, it was like, "Mm, there's like too many things here. But when I evaluated bad kisser guy, I felt like this is worth saying something for. Okay. So what if you find that your ick list is a million miles long? Because this has happened with several clients. And it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of a problem. And here is just my opinion of icks that my clients bring to me that I think are not as icky as they think it is. And again, in the context of this person being so great, but there's this one thing I think they could do the work to get past it. As a coach, that's what I would really encourage. But at the end of the day, you have to know. And I think like a great example of this is, you know, he needs to make X amount of money. For me personally, I mean, okay, that's all relative because yeah, for sure, I want a partner who is self-sufficient. However, even before I created my belief man plan. Yes, that's what I call it. My belief man plan, which I teach you how to create in the find someone better section of the course. Or I do that with my one-on-one clients and in my group program with my clients. I get if you need them to have a baseline because you're not interested in supporting that person. However, for me personally, by the time I did create my belief man plan to call Larry in, ultimately, I just got really clear about the money situation. And for me, all I needed because, you know, I was living in LA at the time and I definitely had actor as an, as, as one of the icks on my ick list for a long time, because I had a, a lot of actors break my heart. So I assumed actors sucked. And then I realized as I was really getting clear on not projecting my past onto my present day dating life, you know, the only reason why they were actors is because I was an actor and I was in that world. I know for sure if I had chosen to become a lawyer, I would have attracted unavailable lawyers because I would have been in the lawyer world. So it wasn't about the profession. And yes, there are a lot of narcissistic actors out there. Don't get me wrong. But I'm coaching women who are not actors, some actors, and they're attracting unavailable people all over the place. So I really was able to evaluate fairly that it wasn't 
them being an actor that made them unavailable. It was I was unavailable and I happened to be an actor in an actor world. So then I was drawn to and attracted other actors. And so by the time I was creating this belief man plan to call Larry in, I decided, you know, they can be an actor. He can be an actor and he can even be a struggling actor. He just has to work really fucking hard. And I have to believe in his talent. To be clear, I'm not saying that that has to work for you. You need to get good, right, and clear on what works for you. And I had to get good, right, and clear with what works for me. You know, I was also open to a man with kids. I wasn't like, ooh, I want a man with four kids who lives in Santa Barbara who I uproot my life for and then I don't have my own kids. But it wasn't an ick because when I met Larry, I was like, this man is so amazing. I'm I'm open to getting to know him and seeing where this could go. But that might be an ick for you. It could be an ick for many of you listening. So you just get to own it. But if you are constantly icked out, and I'm going to get into this list of what I think are some common icks that could be work throughable, that, and it, it, it might feel like you think I have a judgment on these icks. I don't. It's just in my opinion, I think they could be work throughable. And actually, you know, some of these I couldn't work through. So it's not just me saying, oh, you should get past these. There were a few on this list that I was very conscious of owning that I didn't want to get past. Okay, so here are some of the common icks that I hear from my clients that I think are more manageable and work throughable. If this person is so amazing, you can't get past the fact that he's the same height as you. This was an ick for me. I really cared about height until I met a guy who definitely lied about his height on Hinge. And this was probably a year before I met Larry. And I was kind of bummed and disappointed. But speaking of kissing, I had the ick of a bad kisser. He was an amazing kisser and he was hilarious and he was charming. And he was in a startup company that he created this startup company and was doing really well. And he was a hustler and he was 50% Irish. And we just peed our pants laughing so hard. And I got past him being the same height as me. And P.S. I'm 5'8 and I love to wear heels. So I was able to get past it because everything else seemed so great. Turned out he was unavailable and he really, I don't want to say broke my heart, but let my heart down. But I walked away from that. And this is what I help my clients do. And I evaluated what worked, what didn't work. What would I do differently next time? And I was like, oh, I can expand the height range that I'm open to on my dating apps because he just proved to me I don't need him to be taller than me. This might sound superficial, but I think there are a lot of people out there who do care about height. So, you know, maybe this doesn't apply to you, but height is a pretty big deal. And, you know, thank you to that guy because he showed me that I was way more open to more people. Did I end up with a man taller than me? Yes. Do I think him being taller than me is hot as fuck? Yes. But again, this is about growth for yourself, not, oh, be open so that you can lock it down with this person. Okay. Another ick that I hear, I I touched on this earlier, he makes the same amount of money as you, which can be this, you know, similar to, oh, he needs to make more money than me, or he needs to make, 
a certain amount. I, I think there's like this thing, especially in heteronormative dynamics where the woman tends to want to be with a man who makes more money than her. And again, if everything else is amazing and he's a smart, hardworking person, but he makes the same amount or a little less, I would really deeply investigate. Are you going to write this person off? And by the way, I had a client. I will never forget her. And she was like mortified telling me, no, Claire, I know for sure. I was raised in a household where my mom was the homemaker in a Christian household. And, you know, I know that I want to raise my kids and be taken care of in that way. I just I know that that's what I want. And this girl does really well for herself and is very successful in her field, but like knew that that's what she wanted. And I was like, more power to you. She was so clear. And then I just really was more concerned on on coaching her on on owning that versus being mortified about that, getting clean on that. But I would say there are a lot of people who I coach who have, again, long ick lists. And I think we've done a lot of work for people to be like, yeah, maybe I don't need that. And I think the reason why I push on this as much as I can just for my clients to open their eyes a lot wider is, you know, we're in 2023 and it's hard times right now with the economy and everything that's happening around the world. And so I just would encourage a lot of flexibility and compassion and understanding. For me personally, I just want to know that they're driven, they're smart, they're ambitious, they work hard, they're not lazy and phoning it in. They've got a vision. And and for me personally, that works because I've always been a dreamer with a vision and I've also been in a lot of struggle. And so I just, I have a lot of patience and compassion for that. But then there's real life. And then you hit a certain stage in your life where you just want to be, you know, living a more comfortable life. And I totally get that. So again, you've just got to fine tune that and get really clear. And why is all of this important? I think it's super important so that then you're very clear and you don't have to hem and haw and fuck around and be like, oh, but this, but oh, but this is good. So I guess I'll go out with them again. Ah. It's like if you're just clear with your ick list. And by the way, you might meet someone who introduces a new ick to you that you didn't even know you had until that person presented it to you. Then you get to like make a clear decision and say, is this going to work or not? And maybe that means going over to his house two more times and seeing if maybe it was just messy that one time or if it's consistently messy. But again, if everything was so good, could you say, I'm really into you. I'm just, I've got to tell you, I'm a neat freak and your messy house is like stressing me out. (laughs) You know, you could also have a little bit of a laugh and that conversation could make or break and he could be like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Yes, I'm messy, but you're great. I can be more you know, neat. And and that's Larry and I. I have a clean home, but, you know, I'm staring at my apartment right now and, you know, there's shit everywhere because I've just come back from Larry's this morning and I just dump things where it's like, Larry, as soon as we check into a hotel room, he immediately needs to unpack the suitcase, hang everything, make sure everything is just like so in the right spot. And so I do that now to just appease him because it makes him feel more calm and settled in. And it's just an easy thing to do. He also never said, I need you to do these things, but I just kind of picked up on it. And definitely when we're at his house, which now I'm there most of the time, it's like, 
hey, can you put this over here? He's very particular about where I put my bag and where I put my jacket when I come in. So, you know, some of these things are just easier to address or are worth addressing because that other person might rise to the occasion and say, oh my gosh, like, great. And I should be, you know, thank you because you'll inspire me to be more neat. Who knows? You're never going to know until you ask. Another ick. He's not your religion or you're not what he was looking for for his religion. I know it's crazy, you know, to, to call it an ick, but I really felt like my religion or lack of being my ex's religion was a big ick for him. And, you know, this is tricky because obviously religion is very precious and special and important to many, many people. But again, I would just say, and this is what I thought was happening with him because he said to me, you are doing it for me physically and emotionally, and you're so intelligent. And I've just never experienced all of these things at once. And, you know, I always thought I wanted to marry someone who was raised in my religion, but like, I just don't really think that's true. And so I believed that and went with it only for him to then tell me a few weeks in later that actually he changed his mind and he knows that he does want to marry someone. And I've shared this tidbit many times. And so I put this in the more negotiable list because again, for me and where he was at, we were entering into our late thirties. We both wanted the same things or he claimed he wanted the same thing. And I actually believe that he does want, you know, a family and to settle down and all of that. I did believe that, but I think he had some major avoidant attachment style issues. But, you know, you've just got to get really clear so you don't fuck with people or you get really clear that you're open to working through it. I mean, the way I saw it was we, you know, have a traditional household where we're celebrating, you know, both traditions in the house. I don't think he really wanted a Christmas tree or to celebrate those things and fine to ultimately get clear on that. But I think, you know, as a man in his late thirties, he should have figured that out before he, you know, as my Irish mother would say, led me down the garden path, meaning he <laughs> mis misled me. He led you down the garden path, Claire. So personally, for me, I think religion is, again, if everything else is so amazing, I think you guys could work through it. But if someone is super religious or super attached to their religion, then, you know, you should get right out in front of it and you should just be on Christian Mingles or eHarmony if you're, what, what is it, christianmingle.com and eHarmony. Those are very Christian websites, or you just state it very clearly, whatever your religion is on Bumble, and that religion matters. Don't waste people's time. Or if you're open to it, or if someone tells you on the date, I'm Jewish, and you know you're not Jewish, and then, okay, how Jewish are you? Like, is this, you know, I'm not Jewish. Is that a problem for you? No different than when Larry said, I have four kids, you know, as the date went on, he was like, is that a problem for you? Like, why, why waste each other's time? Okay. Another ick. He's not well-traveled. I get it to a certain degree, especially if you're very worldly and very well-traveled. But before you write the person off for that, find out their life. Find out their history. Find out why. Is it because they just don't have a desire? Or 
you know, they were financially supporting their family who had a sick family member. I mean, you just you don't know the reason why. And maybe they never had a desire in the past, but they are wanting to now. Maybe they're in a position to now. Or is it so bad that your desire for travel then rubs off on him and then he ultimately wants to travel more because of you? I get the concern, oh, he's not as worldly and he doesn't have as much life experience. But again, is that even true? Maybe he brings different life experience to the table. I say this as someone who was a struggling artist throughout my 20s and most of my 30s. And, you know, my travel really solely consisted of going to people's weddings and visiting New York and Charlotte, where my childhood friends living in New York and my family, my parents retired down to Charlotte, where my brother and his wife and kids are. So, My money for travel as a struggling artist was about family, friends, weddings. And I own that. Would I like to travel more? And I think, you know, we do travel more in the last couple of years. And we're going to be honeymooning in Europe next year. And that's very exciting. But like, I wasn't in a position to do that because I was really committed to my art. I was committed to acting. And, you know, I think of myself then as being worldly, if you will, in a different way, because I was studying theater and studying acting, with it, which is an art form, right? And and that's not to say, so then that should make me more acceptable to someone who traveled the world more than me. It's just, what is the meaning that you're making out of someone who isn't as well-traveled as you are before finding out? And finding out if they would be open to doing that with you or if the person isn't that much of a traveler, but he's so amazing. Maybe you're the one who travels and goes solo for a couple of weeks or goes away with friends. You know, again, if this person is so, so amazing, are you willing to figure this one thing out? Are you going to write him off completely because he hasn't as well isn't as well traveled? Another one. He doesn't come from a close knit family. This one really pisses me off. (laughs) I'm not going to lie because I watch The Bachelor and, you know, they're always like, oh, I need someone where they're really close to their family and comes from a nice family. And I one time had someone say that to me. I love my brothers, but like my brothers and I aren't besties. And I just don't think it's fair to judge someone based on how close they are. I think the three of us have very different personalities and we're all very close to my parents and we get along when we see each other, but we're we're not besties. And I don't think that that should be a strike against someone. You know, some families are are blessed to have that tight-knit closeness, but, you know, a lot of the times this tight-knit closeness that I've observed tends to be very enmeshed and taking on other people's feelings. And I can't do this because that would upset my sister. And, you know, so where is the balance there and the projection of what you think someone needs to be? And like, what if someone comes from a broken home? That's not that person's fault. So before writing them off and saying he needs to come from a home where there's no divorce or he's really close to his family. It's like, get find out the information and find out his take on things and, you know, how he manages his family situation if he's not as close to them. Does he create, I feel like, some of my best friends are my sisters from other misters, as dorky as that sounds. Like I created 
kind of tight-knit siblinghood that I craved with people who I just have a lot more in common. I just don't have as much in common with my brothers. And like one of my brothers is truly like one of the fun, like every time I talk to him, I am peeing my pants, dying laughing. And I'm obsessed with his kids. Like I want to know all the things, but like I wouldn't be that person that's like, oh my God, I'm best friends with my brother. And great if you're best friends with your sibling, but you know, are you really going to write a whole person off because they're not besties with theirs? I just... I I just don't think that that's fair. And I don't think it's fair to judge someone coming from a broken home because, you know, I had shit to clean up from my childhood and I don't come from a, a broken home. My parents are still together and I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, we all have our shit. We all have our trauma. And I don't think it's about what happened to people or what their family dynamic looks like. I think it's about how they move through it and handle it and take care of themselves today. And it's about what they're looking to create with their ideal partner, potentially you. Because there are people that come from childhoods that are so committed to not recreating them. So find out more and get to know the person before you're going to say, ooh, this is a problem because if they're a child of a divorce, then that probably means they're going to. It's like, no, you don't know that. So take your time getting to know that person. Another one, he doesn't have a ton of friends like I do. Okay. Is that a problem? Why is that a problem? If again, he's so great. You know, my friend circle has definitely gotten smaller and smaller over the years, especially now as the focus is on my family, Larry and his four kids and running a business, the front and back end of my business. A lot has changed for me, especially in the last six years. I've been with Larry for four, but two years before that, I was building this business that blew up pretty much overnight. And then the love of my life came in who has four kids. And it's like, that is my focus on top of self-care and really like consistently checking in with my parents. And I have amazing, amazing, amazing besties, but you know, it's a smaller group these days because I don't have the energy or the time to keep in touch with everyone. So Larry could look at me and say, oh, Claire doesn't have a ton of friends. I I think I do, but they're also not the central focus of my life. And again, you might be listening and saying, yeah, but I don't have a partner and I don't have kids. So like I have a lot of friends, which I totally get. And that was me too. But even actually leading up to Larry, I became more introverted and, you know, really was in a smaller circle because I was spending more time with me and my own company and focusing on my business and just winding down. So I'm really glad that Larry wasn't needing me to have 20 friends or 15 friends or even 10 really close friends. I mean, my LA peeps, there's like four people who are my tight knit besties. And, you know, can that be okay to have, you know, what is it? Less is more or something or like a quality, oh, quality versus quantity. So find out more information first. Is it he doesn't have a ton of friends because he's just a not not a likable person <laughs> or is it because of other reasons you just might not know? And they might be good enough reasons again if everything else is great. Okay, we only have two more to go here. One is he's vegan or vegetarian or you're vegan or vegetarian or you've got some, you know, 
dietary restriction, whether it's chosen or out of your control, you could be allergic to gluten, but you feel you need your person to be the same as you in terms of dietary restrictions or choices. And I just don't think that that's true. I really think if you guys are supposed to be together and you get along really well, I have my guest instructor and bestie, Katie Johnston. She she guest instructs in the group program. She healed her heart and she found the love of her life. She is vegan. And now her partner eats a lot of vegan meals with her. It's not that he gave up meat, but, you know, he is happy to accommodate her and join in on the vegan club. That doesn't mean your partner will or has to, but I just think you make these things work for the right person. Truly, if Larry decided he wanted to be a vegetarian or a vegan, I would be completely supportive of that and I would adjust and accommodate a lot, maybe not completely change everything for myself, but for the right person, these things, in my opinion, don't really matter. And the same goes for one of you prioritizes fitness and the other doesn't. You know, I am working with a nutrition coach right now. I'm strength training four times a week. I'm getting 10 to 11,000 steps in a day and drinking 100 ounces of water and 130 grams of protein. I'm doing all this shit. Do you think Larry's doing all that shit? No. But he's very accommodating and he knows when I have to like stop and eat and get snacks. And, you know, sometimes I'm just ordering the weirdest thing at dinner or the most random thing. It'll be like just fish because I've already hit my carbs and I've hit my the amount of fat intake that I need. And I I can like only eat protein. So it'll be just like a lot of fish or it would just be it's sometimes my meals are just really random. Larry doesn't give a fuck. He's so supportive because he's seeing a big change in me. Yeah, sure. There's physical changes, but like really a mental and an emotional change in me for the positive. And I know that these health choices have contributed to that. So you get to do what you want with your icks. But if you're finding that you are looking at your single status and you're asking yourself why, and it's, and then you reflect on, you know, the last 10 people you've dated and it's like, you're writing all of them off for all these different things. You get to own them or you get to look at them and say, where could I have been more flexible here? Or where can I be more flexible next time? This does not mean you have to fit a square peg into a round hole and ignore your icks, but I do think there is a balance here and some of them are more work throughable than others, but it's not, you know, I know I gave a lot of opinions here, but it really isn't up to me. It's up to you. But the more you're flexible and willing to lean into the discomfort and be a little more accepting and grow here, I think the more likely you're going to attract your ideal person. And I think the biggest irony here for me is that I decided, okay, I'm not going to write off actors. Oh, okay. I'm going to you know, be open to people who are shorter than what I'm naturally drawn towards or, okay, you know, they don't need to make this much money or, I don't need to be automatically attracted right off the bat. I'm willing to let the attraction grow. The irony here is that I am now marrying someone who I was immediately attracted to right off the bat, who's extremely successful, very smart, very ambitious, taller than me, all the things. And I didn't do it so that the universe would reward me with all the things I originally wanted. I really didn't because that's what true detachment is about when you really let those things go to the point that you don't 
care about those things. You're open, right? Attraction matters to me, but I'm willing to see if it can grow. And there was a point in time where attraction was practically the only thing that mattered that I mistook for true love and then ended up, you know, shooting myself in the face a bunch of times over because I thought attraction meant love. So I had to undo a lot of things that I thought meant was, you know, a real connection and start from scratch and try to approach things differently and see things differently. So I hope this episode helped. And if you want more guidance with this, again, three options to work with me, my course, my group program, and my one-on-one coaching mentorship. All those offers are can be found at ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach.com. So go manage those icks, my loves. And until next time, bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to ClaireTheHeartbreakCoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.